Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. How are you this morning? Wow, this place filled up. It's kind of cool. So open your Bibles with me to James, uh, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We'll be in James too, but Luke chapter 18. Come on. Let me get you a... Can I borrow that mic? You got it over there? This is Julie Cochran. She is the better half, certainly. Amen. <laughs> you got a testimony. I do. Cool. I do. And a prayer um, request. We have a friend that lives over in New Hill. His name is Scott, and we um, have been praying for him, and we had uh, given it to the prayer team to, to pray. He's 53 years old, and just before Christmas, he was diagnosed with stage 3 lung cancer. And he had a PET scan on Wednesday, and his tumor has shrunk by 50%. <laughs> uh, and Praise God. And uh, the other thing is, is that um, we have some friends that live in Willow Springs, and they have um, a son that was in a motorcycle accident here in Charlotte yesterday, and he's brain dead. And um, they talked about pulling the plug last night, but they had to wait till today. We're just praying for a miracle, and I just want to ask you all to join with us to pray for a miracle. We know that God is able, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, can bring this young man back to life. And his name is David, and if you will remember him. Go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Father, I just come to you and just... I'm so grateful for you, Father. I'm grateful for the miracles that we see, and we, I'm grateful that we know that you are a miracle-making God and that nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is beyond you, Father. And we know that we um, have given the power to pray, Father, and we just ask you, God, to just bring any thing that's dead in his brain, Father, bring it back to life. I speak life over yes, him, God. God. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Thank I thank you, you Jesus, thank that you, you are our hope and our help. I thank you, Father, that you are peace and comfort for his family and his friends, God. But I pray that you would bring yourself glory. I pray, Father, that what Satan meant for harm, God, you mean for good and that you will bring it around father and just change it all father that we could never imagine how it will come out and that lives will be changed because of it god and i just thank you so much in jesus name amen amen, amen. thank you julie thank you man there was power on you know all, all this stuff uh, including praying for the martyrs in Egypt this morning. Thank you, Stephen, for that as well. Well, I talked about prayer a little bit on Wednesday night, and the Lord just really uh, had me 
repeat because some of you weren't here. I'm not going to repeat the same sermon. I'm just going to repeat the topic. Coming underneath the idea of we are kingdom carriers and part of being a kingdom carrier and Jesus giving us the uh, the the whole idea and the truth of the authority I've given on it, been given on heaven and earth, I give to you. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That key being the idea that we have been given the key so that we can enter in and open the door to the throne room of God. I was so grateful when we started singing that song, The Veil. The veil was closed up, and there was no hope for us except for Jesus. Then he opened the door, and, uh, and the key uh, came for us to go into the throne of grace. And so I just want to talk to you a minute about, and it's going to be a little different this morning because this is just practical. It's practical. I'm getting corrected, and I think, we're all getting an encouragement, a, an exhortation to, no matter where we're at and no how long we've been walking with the Lord, to, to, to examine ourselves. We always have to make a recommitment to prayer, no matter what, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus. Most of us need to re-up every now and again because we get slack. Life gets so busy, and we have such a hard time putting it in our schedule but what I want to do in my life, and the older I get, the more I want to do it, is I want to value the things that God values. I want to love the things that he loves. I want to hate the things that he hates. And when we begin to understand what he did when he opened that veil and said to you and me that we now have the possibility to come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne that has the power to do more or enough, that is sufficient for your every need that you have that ability to come to that throne, that key has been given to you, and it's called prayer. There's a, uh, there's a story I want to tell, really, I want to get from two, two sides. First of all, it's kind of a funny, funny one, because I just want to get our attention about it, and um, because you hear all the time, on a, on a pretty continuous basis, people struggle with prayer. You know, I just don't. I just don't feel like I know enough to pray, or I just it just makes me uncomfortable, or I just can't pray out loud. And what we said Wednesday night is that's a that's a done deal, man. You know, your our excuses for that are like not gonna exist anymore. You know, we're just gonna we're gonna cut that mess out because that's just the enemy getting us to be defeated, to stay in a state of helplessness and hopelessness. Because we refuse, for some reason, because we're uncomfortable to pray. And so I came up with this story about a girlfriend. There's this dude, and he thinks, the prettiest girl. Imagine, no, no, my male shouldn't do that. Uh, don't imagine the prettiest girl. Women, you can, but guys, you don't, okay? Except for the one sitting beside you if you're married. But anyway, you know, a, a very beautiful girl, and the, you've got this guy that's kind of a nerdy guy, and he says, that's my girlfriend right there. That's my girlfriend. And, the, and his buddy goes, no, man, that's not your girlfriend. He goes, yeah, that's my girlfriend. 
Reminds me of our relationship with God when people say, yes, I, I'm, I, I believe in God. You know, I believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm saved. It reminds me of that whole thought process. That's my girlfriend right there. Well, call her over here and talk to her. No, I can't do that. No, get her over here. Let's, I want to meet her. Call her over here and talk to her. No, I, can't, I, don't, I don't talk to her. Well, how's she your girlfriend if you don't talk to her? Well, because she is my girlfriend. I'm telling you, she's my girlfriend. No, she's not. You're not talking to her. How can you be in relationship with God and not talk to him? You can't, can you? I mean, when we, when we throw some kind of paradigm shift to it, it or just, you know, just it expand our thinking, it sounds stupid, doesn't it? But it's, it's true when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, to get back on that page where we're thinking about what's important to God, I want to love what God loves, I want to hate what God hates, what we have to recognize is that this last week, you know, Jesus did some pretty radical things. He went into, his, he goes into the temple, or the last couple of weeks, he, he goes into the temple and he turns over the, the tables. In frustration with what's going on with the church, and he makes this exclamation, my house will be a house of prayer. He says, I don't like what's going on inside these doors, and I want to disrupt it and bring it back to what's valuable to me, and that is prayer. You know, there are so many people who claim to be believers today that have somewhat of a mindset that thinks that, um, you know, once you come into relationship with Jesus, that's all the veil really did. That God's really not responsive to our needs today, but one day when he comes back and reestablishes everything the way he intended it to be at the very beginning, then we'll become in that the relationship with God. But he's really not concerned with us really on a day-to-day -day basis. We can't be that valuable to him. So the whole idea of prayer becomes useless when we have this theology that all we're doing is waiting on Jesus to come back. But if you have a theology that believes that your prayer matters, that, that what Jesus said, what you speak, what you do, what you agree to on earth, when it agrees with what heaven says, actually has the ability to change the things that are going on around you and going on in your life, then it changes everything about what you do and how you respond to what God loves. And so... The first thing that I want us to realize about prayer is that prayer is a vow to God. There's two Greek words, and I would give you how those two Greek words come together and make the word prayer, but I would sound way too smart, and I'm not, and so I wouldn't want to put on a show 
in front of you that it's not really realistic. But as I read this stuff about the Greek, what I discovered was when you put these two words together, it actually means it has the idea of a vow. Prayer is a vow to God, similarly to a marriage vow, where you're making a vow to a woman. And it has the idea that you're going to make a vow to God as you come boldly to that throne of grace, that you're going to be an agent of his spirit, moving the things that he wants moved into place. There's this vow that says, I will be obedient to you. And in that vow, what is released by him is the ability for you and I to come boldly to the throne of grace to give him requests of what we need. But our vow still is in place, which says, when I ask you for these requests, I have vowed to you that I will carry them out in the way that you command. And that's prayer. And that's why the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Because he comes to the throne room of grace, which is sufficient to handle everything that you come in contact with and carry out God's will in your life. And he, that fervent righteous man, carries out the plan of God. Right? So that's prayer. It's a vow. Now, when we think about this vow, I'm, I'm brought to, again, what happens this week, 2,000 years ago plus, in that Jesus goes and he's in this place of despair, not hopelessness, but certainly despair, where he recognizes that it's about to start. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he takes his favorite disciples, and he says, watch and pray. He says, watch and pray. What were they supposed to be able to watch? They were supposed to be able to see in the spiritual realm and begin to intercede on behalf of what was about to happen. But because they weren't prepared or ready or in a place where they had learned how to pray the way they will learn how to pray when the Holy Spirit comes, they fall asleep. And Jesus is incredibly frustrated with them because they cannot pray for even an hour. I want you to hear me and quit talking. Listen, for even an hour. How many of us pray on a consistent basis for an hour? Jesus is disappointed at his disciples because they can't do it. What are we? Disciples. I would imagine that for most of us, praying for an hour where we set aside time in our schedules is difficult, and we are probably embarrassed if we were to place our prayer times on the wall, right? And God is saying to you and me, to the church, that if we, don't get, if we don't get our stuff in line, he can't do what he wants to do. He can't heal 
our land. If we want our land healed, which includes those around us that need healing, we've got to get, we've got to change our disposition towards prayer. We've got to value it like he values it. We've got to pray and agree and vow to do what God says do in a time of prayer. So praying is actually agreeing with the will of God. Amen? When you pray, you're supposed to pray the will of God. Romans chapter 8 says this, when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. And the Spirit will pray the will of God. Now, anybody that is contrary to praying in the Spirit, that poses a problem <laughs> right there. Just, just want to stretch you out just a tad. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't received a prayer language, you might want to pursue that greatly because of that one particular verse. When you don't know what to pray, the Spirit intercedes on your behalf the will of God so that the Spirit of God can be released into the circumstances and accomplish on earth what's done in, in heaven. So the whole idea is your kingdom come on earth as it in heaven. We are praying to agree with God. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 5. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 5. Jesus is speaking, and he spoke in a parable to them, and he says this, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, this parable is going to be given on the foundation of this sentence. Men ought to pray always. Say that with me. Men, let's say women too. Men and women, that's not theologically wrong. Men and women should always pray. Stop. Men and women should always pray. Why? Because you're in communication with the creator of the universe who actually has the ability to change something. So we should always pray. And then the second part of that, and why would he write that? Why would he even say that? Why is that in Scripture? The reason it's in Scripture is because we can pray and nothing seems to happen. And when you pray and nothing seems to happen, what happens to you? So Jesus already knows that there's an obstacle to our always praying. And that obstacle is that it doesn't always happen in your time frame, and so we lose heart and we stop praying. But Jesus is dealing with that in this parable of Scripture. 
Now listen to me. He doesn't give us this parable. Y'all really need to hear me, and I might just stop right here. He wrote this parable so you would change what you're doing. So that it would change your life. That I would, I would change what I'm doing. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to us that we would change our perspective on what we believe is possible if we pray. He's saying, I want you to pray, people, and don't ever lose heart. When you don't see your prayers answered, don't lose heart. It's like this. There was a widow in a city, and she came to this unjust judge who didn't fear God or fear man. And she came saying, get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor reward man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Jesus says, do what the widow's doing. Badger him. That's what he's saying. That's the whole parable. That's the answer. When you don't see anything happening, badger the judge. Badger the one in authority. Badger the one who has the ability to release creative stuff into your life and the lives of the people that you love. There are so many people around you that are struggling that you need to be badgering God on their behalf. They're not, they're not in relationship with God or they're mad at the church because they've been hurt or, or they have marital issues or they've got children issues or they've got family issues or they've got financial issues or they got stress issues, or they're on antidepressants, or they're diabetic, or they've got health issues, or they got family members who have health issues. There are so many things that we could change the plight of if we would understand the value God puts on prayer. And he says to you and me, badger me. Badger me. Daniel knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. He prayed three or four times a day, five times a day, but for sure, three. David says five. Daniel says three. That's still a lot. Went to the window, got on his knees, cried out to God. Now listen, there are great examples and this is one of the things I learned. This is a very practical message, and I'm trying not so much to preach, but just to tell you how to be successful. One thing I learned when I first came to the Lord, if it says it in Scripture, just start doing it by faith. Just start doing it. And what you see in Daniel is a guy that was at the window, and he prayed out loud. And if you'll read the story in Daniel, he got in trouble for praying at the window. Right? Right? Well, how did they know he was praying at the window? Because they saw him, possibly, most likely, because they saw him and they heard him. There is a major difference in prayer when you pray, God, 
help me with my finances. Or you just pray this, silently, <laughs> to God, help me with my finances, to God, help me with my finances. Yeah. I'm an idiot, yeah. and I got myself into this mess, yeah. and I need help getting out. Lord, and I know my help comes from you, so give me creative ideas how to get out of this mess. There's a major difference when we, when we just proclaim a dependency upon God in prayer. It, it, it helps us, and, and we see that. Daniel understands not only that passion in prayer, but also the hesitation, because the angel of the Lord comes to Daniel, and Daniel says, where are you been? And the angel of the Lord says, I've been in warfare on your behalf. And I was delayed. Same thing happened to David. David lived in a cave for 10 years after he was anointed king of Israel. And he suffered all those things until God took care of Saul. Do you know that David knew and he prayed and he knew and he prayed and he knew and he prayed, but he responded rightly towards Saul so that, so that the kingdom of heaven could come about the way God said it was going to come about in God's timing, which surely wasn't David's. And David could have lost hope. David could have lost heart. Yeah, I ain't never going to be king. It just ain't going to happen. Joseph could have lost heart. Abraham. <laughs> Do you know Abraham? Listen, this is so funny. And this is a word from the Lord for somebody. Abraham, because this ain't in the message. Abraham gets to a place that God tells him to go. And then he sees the condition around him in that place. And he makes a decision to go somewhere else. Because he doesn't like the condition that he is in that place. And he gets outside of the will of the Lord, and the Lord says, go back to where I told you to stay. Go there, and I swear I'm going to be. I swear I'm going to meet you. Somebody needs to go back to where the Lord told you to go back, wherever that might be, so that he can bring you to where he wants to take you. Anyway, that's free. But the truth of the matter is this. This is all over Scripture. It's not going to change for you. And God is saying, don't lose heart. Always pray without losing heart. We see that, that there is this attitude of prayer that we're to possess, and we are to pray at all times, especially in special times, in times of despair. In times of trouble. Now remember, when you pray in times of trouble, Psalms deals with that and it talks about the goodness of our God to come to us and minister to us in our times of trouble. Psalms 55, 16, David really gets into that. But you got to understand that it's this vow. When you're in trouble, there's this vow. If you don't get anything else out of this today, you need to get this. You don't come to God and say, God, I've got trouble. Get me out of my trouble. And the Lord's going to say to you, are you willing to do it the way I ask you? 
And you're going to say, mm, probably not. But I still want you to get me out of this trouble, God. I mean, you're the God, and I'm your son, and I'm your daughter. Get me out of this trouble. Will you do, will you do what I ask you to do? I mean, it's going to be hard. Probably not. No. I won't. Because there's a vow. And the vow is, I'll answer your need of times of trouble if you will carry out the mission based on what I tell you. Otherwise, you stay in trouble. <laughs> Y'all don't like in this, are you? <laughs> but it's true. Trouble, when you need guidance. James talks about it in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need guidance, it says, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord without doubting. Listen, ask the Lord without doubting. Without doubting what? That not only is he capable but that he will because of who you are, because of the vow. But if you doubt, let not that man think that he's going to receive anything from God. You're not going to receive anything from God if you doubt. If you doubt what? Whether God can or whether God will. Interesting, isn't it? But James says, when you have trouble, when you need guidance, the Lord's there. David talks about being tempted, that there's no place, there's no, there's no place of temptation that God doesn't provide a way out. When you're persecuted, when you're sick, James deals with that. When bad news comes, Isaiah talks about receiving a bad news letter. Maybe you get bad news. Maybe you get a bad health report. Maybe you get a bad news from a relative. Maybe you get bad news from a coworker. Maybe you get bad news from your boss. Those are always bad days. When you get bad news, you can go to the Lord and he will give you wisdom and creativity on how to get out. He promises he will if you, if you do what you vowed to him you would do. Whatever your need is, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, come to the Lord. Let me give you a couple of other scripture verses that talks about praying always but not losing heart. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. This is in the message. Let's read this out loud together. Is that, is that where that's supposed to be? No. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. So whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly. Wait a minute now. Let me stop that. Is, is it up there? Yeah, it's up there. So whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. What were the disciples doing? They went to sleep at the switch. There's so many things going on around you that God is looking for somebody to pray about, to release the kingdom of heaven into, and we're sleeping. The church is asleep. And this scripture says, listen, church, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet 
before the Son of Man. You can end up on your feet. That is the good news. You don't have to get knocked on your bahonkas. You can be on your feet, right? Don't you want to be on your feet? Well, how do you not get knocked on your backside? Don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly. You're in relationship with God. Acts chapter 10, verse 2. A devout man is talking about the, 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 the soldier and his household that fear the Lord, that, that uh, God sent the disciple to, and they got all filled with the Holy Spirit when he shows up. I love that. Peter goes in, they, they walk in, and he's fearing God and all this, and the Spirit falls out on him, and he's a Greek. He's not a, he's not a Jew. It's one of the first places that that goes to that. But it says that this guy was a devout man, and this is why the Holy Spirit fell on him, one who feared God and all his household did the same. He had taught his whole household, all his servants, everybody that he had authority over. He had taught all these things about who God was, and they feared God, the whole place. And he gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. And the Lord could trust him with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for you and me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 uh, we are commanded as the church to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. What do you, how do you pray in the Spirit? Well, you could do it in an unknown language or you could do it in a language, but we are commanded and expected by God this letter written to the church, which is you and me, to always pray in the Spirit. In other words, we've got to be praying the will of God. Again, you see this vow. You come before me, you bring your petitions, but if you'll pray in the Spirit, I'll give you the how-tos when you leave here. I'll give you what to pray and then what to do. And sometimes the what to do is nothing. I don't want you to do nothing. You wait. You wait on me. But Lord, I don't, I don't want to wait. Well, that's not in the vow. Right? You see how all this works? God wants relationship. He wants us to be dependent on being able to listen to the Spirit. And you've got to be able to grow in your relationship with God to the point where you hear the Spirit of God. You've got to know that it exists, and you've got to be motivated by it. Now, listen to me. <laughs> when it comes to those things, and when it comes to our times in prayer and our thinking about prayer, how many of you have a favorite TV show? Raise your hand. You lying rascals. Raise your hand if you like. Y'all don't, who, who, don't, who doesn't have a, a favorite TV show? You raise your hand. Y'all don't have a favorite TV show. Okay, how many have one you like? Okay. All right. Some of you uncooperative people that don't have a TV show. That don't. Listen, we do all kinds of... Right now, I'm recording the Masters. This afternoon, I'm have to, I've got to go to Charleston this afternoon to a, th a thing at Seacoast tonight, and I'm not going to miss the Masters. I'm, I'm, I'm going to 
I'm going to have it. Bless that woman. She's in charge of children. Bless her, Lord. Bless her. Wherever she's doing, bless her. Uh, <coughs> but I, I'm, I'm going I'm to record it. Why? Because I'm not going to miss it. Now, let me ask you a question. Do we have that mentality about our prayer life? Lord, I missed it. Man, I got to, I got to somehow make that thing up because I know that there's so much the Lord wants to do in the Spirit, in the kingdom, and I can't miss what He wants me to pray. Because He wants to release kingdom, because that's who we are. Ephesians, pray always in the, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. And pray for who? There's people around you that their junk is different than your junk. But we all got junk. And we just need to come to the conclusion that we got junk. Yes? And our junk needs healing. Yes? And if we're on pursuit of junk being healed, what we're going to see is junk being healed all over the place if we'll pray. Right? Isn't that true? Come on. That's just good. I mean, that's just, that's just down-to-earth stuff. God wants to heal our junk. He wants to set us free. Man, I saw a red hawk flying in the air this morning across this field with the, with the trees coming out and the blue sky and the moon. I was like, Lord, that's what you want me to be like. That's what I was intended to be like. And then we sang that song. He wants us to be free. Prayer releases vindication. <laughs> so when we go into an attitude of prayer and we come into the kingdom we've got to realize that when we pray it releases vindication God tells us to love our en enemies and pray for those who persecute you so Stephen let me add a little something to that prayer you ready this is, this is true this is what I love about love life Father every person Every attitude, everybody that is cheering the bombing of the church in Egypt, I pray, God, for salvation. I ask you, God, that you would move upon them and that they would recognize their Redeemer and that they would be reconciled to you, O God, in Jesus' name. Isn't that good? That's, that's, God's our vindicator. We don't need... To be mad at people. We don't need to be angry at people. We don't need to be angry at our culture. And let it end there. And that's what we do. We get mad, and it stops. God says, mm -mm. pray. You pray. 
you want to do something, if you want to go on the offensive for what you're mad at, pray. I'm the vindicator. I'll vindicate this for you. I'll get this squared away. I'll move on this. Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 6. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the, an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you that God is our vindicator. Romans 12, 19 through 21. Dear friends, never, say that with me, never take revenge. In your heart, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Come on now. Now who you think can do more damage? You are the righteous anger of God. Never take revenge. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If doing this, with doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not let evil conquer you by being angry and taking out revenge, but conquer evil by doing good. Hebrews 10, 30 and 31. For we know him who said, Revenge is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. So here's the call. Here's the call from the Lord. The call is, wake up. Don't be sleeping. Realize why I created prayer. Realize why I ripped the veil so that you could come into the Holy of Holies. So that the, the power of grace could be released on the world. How's that going to happen? Through your prayer. God doesn't do anything without prayer. You know, you didn't come to the Lord without somebody praying for you. Somebody pray for you. You had a mother, a grandmother, a father, a grandfather, somebody, aunt, uncle, cousin, friend, who called your name before the throne of grace, and God sent his spirit and wooed you into salvation. Everybody can think of somebody. How many people out there need their name called? How many people need healing? How many people got a bad report this week? We need to be changed as a church. We're, we, we're okay as far as churches go in our culture about praying. Okay, being on a scale of one to ten, three to four, where other churches might not be that. And there's no comparison. I'm just saying we do pray, but not the way the th I think the Lord wants the church to be praying so that he can 
move on the lives of people. That's why we have our prayer team. You know how I know? Our prayer teams up here should be flooded every week because you come in this place with people in mind that you're believing God to begin to work in their lives and you're coming up front. And prayer team people, you need to be praying for people. There needs to be prayer going on every week in a much accelerated, heightened way than we're doing it currently. And this is, your pastor's got a new goal. Until, <laughs> until I run somebody off because that church just prays too much. <laughs> That's my new goal. <laughs> my new goal is to, <laughs> them people, they just pray way too much over there. Praise God, we got one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a good thought, though, isn't it? Kind of. Michael said kind of. It's a good thought. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love you today, and I just want you to know the Lord wants you to have conversation with him. Be challenged. Could you not watch? Watch. Watch what's going on. Don't, don't, don't not be seeing could you not watch for one hour and see what was going on and begin to intercede on behalf of what you saw? Could you not watch and pray for one hour? Man, Daniel was our example. David was our example. Three times a day, stop what they're doing. Get on their knees and call on the name of the Lord for people that need him to move in their lives. Man, let's be that church. Let's be that people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.